0: Welcome to the Zootown Affordable Housing Podcast. Affordable is stable. Afford means that you're able to make your wages last through different expenses while even retaining some senses. Stability with the ability to do things differently.
1: Greetings, ZAP listeners! I recently moved to Hot Springs, Montana to work on a permaculture farm and a project for the summer and had the fortune of making the online acquaintance of Frances DeForest. Frances is a triage nurse who has an interest in alternative living and advocates for hemp and food sovereignty. She experiments with hempcrete, has plans to build her own mobile gypsy bardo, and takes the time to talk to me about MAP an affordable housing project that I am just getting off the ground. I hope you enjoy my interview with Frances DeForest. I look forward to the day I can meet her and see what she has been working on in person.
2: Yeah, I've worked with it. I'm still learning myself, but what I've done is I've learned a lot about it, and um, I've built a hempcrete sample, and I'm working towards building a hempcrete house myself. Like I'm kind of getting in the process of finding a place to do that this summer. And meanwhile, um, hemp is really moved forward in so many ways. There's hemp wood available now. Mm-hmm. Hemp wool is being produced in Montana, which is a blend of the hemp strands of the, stem the fibers and the and wool in that's in eastern montana um they they just started making that i think this past few months even and, and then insulation for insulation um it can be used for insulation it can be used for bedding you know i'm going to i'm working on this kind of gyps- gypsy vardo it's not completely made out of hemp but that wasn't really available yet and it is a little bit costly but a little bit about what I've been doing. So for years back in Missoula, you know, I've kind of been a hemp advocate along with a lot of other people, you know, but I, I volunteered um, in some in the cannabis movement as well. And I'm a nurse and I also um, educate people about cannabis as medicine, but I've really been focusing a lot more on hemp and food sovereignty. And, but I, I see it as all, all related, all together. You know what I mean? Um, Cannabis and hemp are part of a garden of food and herbs and other, you know, plants that are medicinal and beneficial to us. So I try to keep it balanced like that. And so over the years, I've had the opportunity to speak at the Hemp Fest in Missoula a few years and do some different activist action related to that sort of thing there. and then. More recently, um, the Hemp Fest has moved to Lolo Hot Springs. It's uh, now a state hemp festival, and this couple in Missoula or in that area, they bought the rights to it, and they have it, and and, uh, they're driven by hemp, but also the fact that one of the gals, her best friend died of an opioid overdose. So in the cannabis as medicine, cannabis is a real alternative to helping with people with opioid addictions, but so I help educate about that and other uses, but I also bring a display of hemp, which includes a hempcrete sample that I built and different products made with everything from like, you know, hemp chocolates to things made with essential oil. As a nurse, I'm focusing really like on the benefits of like the Hemp essential oil, which would be like lavender essential oil. You know, I want to differentiate from CBD or you know, there's so many terms that seem interchangeable out there. But this is the distilled, you know, essential oil of the flowers, and it doesn't contain THC or really CBD. But there's a lot of antibacterial properties in there. So I'm, I'm, you know, kind of working on you know, health situations with the plants, you know, that in in ways that could be beneficial to everybody, you know, um, and not just in the more well-known aspects of it, I guess, you know, like CBD and everything like that. And so part of that to me, hemp is very valuable, not just as, you know, a medicine for us and as a cannabis, but also like the earth, you know, and that's really what drives me is that it's, it is, a, you know, it's a fight over mediator. It pulls heavy metals out of the ground, and it provides food. It can provide shelter, and a lot of countries never stop producing hemp. Just the United States, you know, like Eastern Europe and China, they they never stop producing it. So they have lots of hemp goods, and so like a lot of our hemp cloth comes from China, um, and so. Which is fine. the 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 bardo I have it has a hemp covering, right? And so we're going to wax that. And I'm finishing the inside out with hemp wood and different products. We were originally going to do hempcrete in it, but with all these new hemp products, they're much more lightweight and more travelable. You know, there there's someone who is traveling with a hempcrete um, mini house around the country already. But we we I've spoken with people who've designed modular hempcrete houses and stuff, and I just feel like for me this this way is better and more durable and lightweight.
1: Hmm. But
2: as far as like building like a housing structure, I'm all about it. And that's what my next steps are going to be. But that's just a little bit of what I educate people about and talk about and food sovereignty as well. Like it's just, I could go on about it. You know, I'll just stop for a second and take a breath because I don't want to, you know, you're asking me questions. I don't want to just like go on and on and on and talk about this, but I do, but you know, not all one breath.
0: And, oh, um, uh,
2: Mm, absolutely yeah it's just really what I'm I'm just and so I'm focusing on that and and what would you like to know about hempcrete I mean I'll answer your questions the best that
1: I can but yeah you know, um, well actually I'm, now that you've talked about so many different options with hemp I'm wondering do you grow hemp yourself and, and you were talking about uh, growing your own food and do you garden and do all of that yeah. stuff?
2: Yeah, I garden. Yeah, I have a garden. I mean, I'm learning permaculture. I'm sitting in my greenhouse right now. It's not really much going on in here. I was wondering Um, if that was a greenhouse. Like down the street from the Max's. David from Missoula. We worked on biodiesel together a while ago. And like years ago in Missoula, I used to have a car I'd ran on biodiesel. And so I've kind of, I was a single parent raising my daughters and is a working as a nurse. So I've dabbled in all these projects, but I'm kind of at a time in my life it's all starting to pull together and I'm getting the resources and the knowledge base and the support to kind of start working on the bigger aspects of the project. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. And, um I'm doing this hemp bardo and then the goal of that, I'll have it at the Hemp Fest, is to make like a mobile um display and also maybe like a hemp variety store type of thing with different products and different things. There's so many small producers out there. I mean there's, you know, it's a billion dollar industry. It's gonna grow, but there's also a lot of hemp just sitting wasting in warehouses that hasn't been processed yet because the processing hasn't caught up with the agricultural growth. And so, you know, we're there's been a lot of forward movement, but there's still a lot of work to do. So the smaller producers, small families and people who are just trying to supplement their incomes and stuff. I like to represent their products and I make some things as well. And then I usually take food. um really, we're really focused on food sovereignty and getting everyone to grow food. And then I have a, uh, educational display, um, that I put out that just talks about the endocannabinoid system and hemp and, um, a poster that I had presented at a conference in Germany about uh, melanoma healing from cannabis oil. And, uh, so that, that's, that's kind of sums it up. That, that's my little display. And I talked to a lot of people about stuff and this, you know, I'd like to do a hemp building workshop was one of our goals. I don't personally grow hemp, but one of our neighbors and friends does John Porterfield He's one of the owners of Wild Horse Hot Springs, and he grows hemp in uh, Dayton. And he's a real nice, really nice guy. You know, he's easy to get along with. And he makes these, like, hemp pellets. And he also displays at the Hemp Fest. But um, he's willing to work with us to, like, provide hemp. I'm really – the other focus is to, like, make it as local. You know what I mean? Like, as possible. Like, I really support our local economy. So – We, you know, not only does that make us more self-reliant, but it cuts down on our ecological footprint of shipping of goods, which I'm just as guilty as anybody. You know, I've ordered stuff off the internet and whatever. It's hard not to, right? We all live in this modern era, but the reality is we're trying to find balance in, in, you know, how we can live on the earth. And our plants are very important to that. And that's becoming more and more, you know, obvious especially with all this COVID-19 stuff you know it's really kind of a reset button for everybody if they want it to be and maybe even if they don't want it to be so I just you know I work kind of small scale but there there's a lot of activity out there in the hemp world like there are hemp conferences and I mean people who are seriously dedicated farmers and and I support all that but I'm just kind of trying to build my hemp house still. And, and that's the next goal. And I've got it getting a work crew together of people, you know, that I've convinced they could, it would be a good idea to help me do it. And, you know, is that something you're thinking of like building hemp or what was it?
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I started my podcast. This is a little bit of a digression, but it'll make sense in a second. I started my podcast zap uh, at the end of January and uh, via my podcast I ended up coming across a funding source uh, and literally they they said if you propose a project we'll give you some funding to get it started. So uh, I took all the information that I had (laughs) at that point in time that I'd gathered from interviewing and I proposed the project uh, and the project was basically to create plans for a small living unit, like a, a trans- transportable, so like not, not more than eight feet wide, really eight and a half feet wide, um, as out of sustainable materials. And uh, again, you know, just in the course of interviewing and doing my own research, I was initially interested in shipping containers. And then I started mm-hmm. thinking about, could you – put some material on the inside of the shipping container um, for a wall and insulation uh, and to deal with the moisture issue that they have uh, with shipping containers and the insulation. And then I came across hempcrete uh, in that process and started looking at that and really liked the, the durability of it as well as the carbon sequestration and um, and the local sourceability of it, the do-it-yourself ability, and um, have been wondering about the transportability of it. I'm like, I'm not pr- proposing to make uh, a unit that can be pulled all over the United States, but I would like to create a unit, unit that can be manufactured in one location and taken to another location. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I want to look at a lot of systems to put in that structure, like rocket mass stoves. And ideally, it would be something, uh, the thing I like about shipping containers, but they're actually not so ideal for, is their stackability. But it turns out they need a ton of reinforcement to be stackable. And um, I don't know enough about the frame of a hempcrete house, um, which is different than the typical, right, uh, wood-built, stick-built structure. That-
2: not much really I can tell you about that I mean and so I've talked with other builders and stuff like that I don't I just want you to know that like I'm not a carpenter I've just studied it but I have like intelligent conversations with people who've been building alternatively and they're like oh yeah they they know you know that that I have a good understanding of it." it 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 definitely is, like, there's a different framing to it. And now there's a lot of different ways that people are building with hemp. There's even prefab hemp blocks. And I can show you in my greenhouse. I actually tried. I'm just going to let me know if you can see the hemp wall. Yeah. Okay. So that's, like, five or six years ago. And it's not the best mix. But I just got tired of, like, waiting for, like, I need to have all this stuff and I just ordered a bag of hemp and I just started playing with it. And so I insulated the inside of my greenhouse. It's been there. Water drips on it. It's fine. Some I had in the upper parts, it kind of crumbled down, you know, it, it um, maybe could be a better mix. Um, we tried some mixes with sand from out here on the, or clay out on the prairie, you know, that kind of white clichy clay. It doesn't hold. Um, There are people prefabbing bricks. You can blow it in with a blower. John Mm. Porterfield has a blower. Um, I haven't tried that yet. He makes pellets. They look like, you know, rabbit feet, like little tiny pellets or something like that. And he made some, you know, hemp concrete where it's mixed with concrete out there at Wild Horse. And they just patched an area of their shower. Um, hmm. The hemp creek block I have, it's sitting outside. There's no mold on it. Sometime, you know, you'll have to come over and check it out. And, and um, it's lightweight. And then at the permaculture event a couple falls ago, um, th- this guy, he's been alternatively building earth ships for a long time, Bob or Bill or something. David knows what his name is. I'm sure hes he's well known. He was one of the speakers there. But anyway. They asked me, I usually do a hemp display to build hempcrete, but he builds this fibercrete, which he takes trash and all this stuff. It's really, really fascinating. And he's got tons of experience where he went from tamping the tires with soil, and he's led lots of like youth at risk through all this and built superstars, houses. He just went on, on, on. But anyway, he fills it now with this fibercrete. But the problem with it is, is we made the sample and we put the hemp in there. I can't pick it up. It's like 150 pounds. Mm. (laughs) You have to like cart it around, you know. (laughs) And so it's really more cement. He mixes it and there's this other stuff you can add to it that you can shape it and make shapes with it. And so, but to get back to what you're talking about, I love that idea of the transportation of the hemp building. And so along the years, in the past few years or so, I talked, with this couple in uh bc they're all, whoop, my battery is going low but hang on oh still I see. There? that's
1: why your video yeah that's why your video yeah. disappeared yeah. Oh, i, I saw go, uh, a company
2: uh, i plug it in um so they um they build modular hemp homes
1: and i, 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 I might have seen them online i don't remember what the company mm-hmm. is called but it was out of um, the out of british columbia and they were building yeah not necessarily the sustainable kind of unit that I'm going for, but really cool looking modular. Hemp yeah. Units they that were had transportable. some wear. I,
2: yeah. I talked to them for a couple hours
1: and they actually had some wear,
2: um, some fracture problems, but they're very, very overpriced. And I thought it was a little odd to be on a tiny Island and ship, make something you're going to ship to the rest of the world. It, there was a lot of uh, issues there. But they were very willing to work with us and, like, bring it here. But that's, they're, they're, like, $125,000. Like, that's for people who can just yeah. spend money without worrying about it. And, and that's fine if they want to do that. I support it. At least they're doing hemp. But um, we're going to work on building some. There was a hemp conference, like, building in Idaho. But I talked to all my carpenter and alternative building friends. They said, save the money and put it towards the hemp. <laughs> They said you can learn everything you know from like watching other, you know, I've been watching other people's videos and working together, but um I because I'm trying to get a work crew together. So some of my friends who can work on car- have that, that's their craft, you know. I'm like, look, help me out. I'll I'll send you to the workshop if you come back and help me build, you know. And so we might do one to Colorado, like the mini houses. Cause oh, I'm yeah. trying to downsize myself. I'm hoping to live in my bardo. And I work from home online. So I'm a telephone triage nurse and um, I work every weekend. And so I'm going to like do solar and try to off grid my Vardo, but kind of new age so I can work from home and then work on building a design of a hemp house that I have. And we might replicate, like I was involved with my former partner, Jason and over in this Pablo hub where they're, Trying to build a co-housing community, and they're taking these premier homes. You know they look like those little cabins you see them for sale all over the place. So we're trying to house people, but they need to be finished out. And so that was the one thing we wanted to do the same thing. You're mentioning fill it in fill them with hemp. And I really like that idea. And there's a lot of information out there. And even on social media, there's some really active groups of people all over the world that are sharing what they're doing. And, um, retrofitting is really good. There's a guy over here by Almeda's that row of cabins. There's the red ones and then the green ones. Um, he is interested in retrofitting and having people help build that. Like if you're interested, if that Hmm. comes to fruition, um, I can stay in contact with you if you want to come get some hands on experience, because that's what I've been talking to people about. Like, I'm like, come on, let's do this, you know? And, and if John can provide us the hemp, the problem is, is decorticating the hemp. Yeah. And so there's a gal in Eastern Montana, and she's worked with MSU extension to study some hemp growing. And she was the one, the federal government was, wouldn't allow her to use the water to grow her hemp, but she finally got it all taken care of, but she wasn't too into sharing her decorticator, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, and that's fine. And there are people with a mobile decorticator, but, you know, it's it costs money. So that's one thing we're kind of looking at here in, in the growth of hemp is it's not just growing the hemp, but how do we process it? Like farmers are getting stuck. If they didn't have a, someone to buy it or a way to process it, um, then they're just stuck with it. And, you know, there's growth for processing more than just CBD. You know, the CBD is you know, easy or whatever, but I, even though I support it, I I really am trying to get people focused on the other aspects of hemp a lot, just as much, you know, but I, I like your idea of a project and it would probably work because you can also frame over top of it. It doesn't have to be a plaster or clay finish, you know, you could frame wood over top of it and it just has an insulatory value. But how much it would be, depending on how thick you wanted your walls to be, you might have to figure that out. A one, you know, by two, one foot thick is 30R uh, insulation. So, you know, can 15 inches, I guess might be 15, you know, could figure it out, but it would help a lot. And those containers are cool. I've been looking at some neat buildings like that where they're stacked, you know, and they have nice porches and they're, they're pretty interesting looking. But, um, yeah, that, it would probably work. And do you, Are you looking to, like, replicate those and, like, make it into a business? Or
1: Well, the idea is that, I mean, Missoula has a housing crisis. And they're yeah. building, you know, maybe 200, let's say 400 units in the next two years. Um, okay. But other than that, there's really nobody uh, making anything that anybody can afford. And those mm-hmm. 400 units that I just mentioned are all apartments that are for rent. Um, yeah. And so it's really apparent to people in Missoula that things need to change and they need creative options but nobody's really supplying those creative options and so my funding right now is really just to create a viable plan uh, for mm-hmm. this uh, transportable living unit that ideally would be as as sustainable as possible although it could mm-hmm. be outfitted with you know appliances or whatever if it were in town but the idea is to provide a low-cost housing option that people can learn about the process themselves, repeat it its- themselves if uh, if necessary, you know, put the materials together, and the funding is there to make the project work if I can propose it well enough. But the idea would be to provide a housing option to people who otherwise don't have one, mm-hmm. uh, and then to spread that knowledge so that people know how to do it. It can do it themselves and pass that on. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah a repeatable process Mm -hmm. whereby like more units can be created the more people learn about them and ideally they could be for sale ideally there would be micro loans or something like that Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, you know two years ago someone might have said you'll never get financing for that or you'll never get that permitted in missoula Mm -hmm. but times have changed and are changing quite a lot and um
2: yeah, yeah. There's. I know. My. I have two daughters. My eldest daughter has worked in different nonprofits in Missoula, but she's now at the uh, Hamilton. Right, they live down there. But part of her nonprofit time. Well, first of all, we know Word is closing. She did work there, but she also worked for Opportunity Resources for a long time. She does marketing. She's like a marketing manager. She did organize all their events. But they were looking at building, on uh, they have some land down by the Clark Fork River, but they couldn't get like the approval for like the water systems or something like that. So, you know, I'm like a bug in her ear, you know, I'm just like, well, did you think about this? What about suggesting this? And And she's like, okay, but they hadn't quite figured that out. Because I'm just wondering, like, where in Missoula would you put, you know, would it be one place or, you know, how would that be? Up here in Pablo, what we have like the Montana Club has in possession is a former timber mill, like part of it, it was in four sections. And so on one section, the premier homes make these mini cabins. Hmm. And so the idea is to bring them over and have people like we've gone through lots and lots of meetings. I'm not so actively working in that project now, but it is something of interest to, you know, to same concept you have, you know, these houses can be moved, But their houses are no down payment, no credit check, but they're just the shells. And so we wanted to get people active in like that being a job creation, finishing out the houses. Like if people who maybe are at risk or homeless with skills or willing to learn could then start producing the houses to be sold out to places. But there is a place to do that in a big building, in a workshop in in Missoula, it definitely has grown a lot. Hmm. Since I lived there, and I raised my daughters on the north side and rode bikes everywhere. I worked at the university, you know, live the home is a little lifestyle for a while. And, um, but I don't know where you, it's infilled so much where you'd fit all those houses, you know, that's a, that's interesting. but I support that in any way I could help, you know, if you get that going, like doing the hemp part or anything, or there um, Bob Rainey, do you know Bob Rainey or Patty Fiachowitz? So okay. Alrighty. So are you from Missoula, or have you been there for
1: a while? Or are you, I've did been you, there like, since 2012 and I went to college okay. there from 2000. Yeah. yeah, sure. Okay. To 2003. Um, I'm from yeah okay. Sure.
2: All right. Yep. So I lived there. I moved there in 98 um, and wow. then I worked at the university for part of the time you're in school there and student help. <laughs> Ah. but uh, yeah, night shift. I'm night, night, I work nights and evenings mostly, but Patty, so you might know Patty. She um, had these beautiful displays and probably may still at the farmer's market where she'd weave her baskets and like the picture of organic magazine, right? She built her own house in Dixon. She married this guy, Bob Rainey. He's an alternative builder. And he and a farmer and they live in the bitter. She had like kids later in life, like her early 40s, but she had a big massive stroke. Oh, And she's still doing her thing, you know, but it impacted her life. And so Bob, her husband, and I had this conversation about hemp because he bought a a lot in Hot Springs and he wants to build a fourplex there. Mm -hmm. And so he's been alternative building for 30, 40 years in the area. And he said he would never build a house that wasn't ADA accessible again because Patty is, needs ADA accessibility now I and mean, just beautiful shiny woman and it's just you know you would never in a million years think that that would ever happen to someone who seemed you know seemingly so amazing you know and and, and so it was a real shock but I he is a good contact and he knows a lot of people like he might even be one of the founders of mud from way back or something you know he goes way back into the Missoula uh you know all the organizations and everything but he would definitely be helpful and a good ally and so I need to check in with them because they're supposed to start building up here Hmm. and he's you know they're really cool like working together he is willing to help me with my project he's the one who said save my money don't spend it on the workshop (laughs) just buy the with it you know and I'm like okay because it is, you can frame it normally, it's just a different spacing, and hemp is not weight bearing. Yeah. So that's the only thing, And but it's really good insulation. But I think the lime makes it as fire resistant as the hemp itself, because I burn, I make fire starters out of hemp herd. So it's not the hemp that's fire resistant, it's the lime. And now that's kind of a bummer to people, but honestly, we could probably make snapweed in line and it would be fire resistant. It, I see, but yeah. I, I'm kind of realist, like you pra- have a good streak of pragmatism. So, you know, I'm okay with that. But it's your project is definitely necessary. And housing was a challenge when I lived there as a single parent, you know, and my, my daughter, Erica, made it through that a housing challenge, which was even more challenging for her. And, you know, both my daughters actually, but she is a, a young mom. She's now married and, you know, they're doing well and everything, all this stuff. But I would like to see more people get housed in that area. You know, it's it's a crisis that's not going to go away and it's just going to exponentially. You know, I, I talk to people all over the country for my nursing job as a triage nurse and I have a good finger on what's going on through them telling me about it, you know, two in the morning calling the nurse advice line. <laughs> and it's, it's definitely seems like it's going to expect especially what we're already aware of and you know thank goodness that you're working on that you know i don't know you know is, do you have are you doing it your Missoula housing development or are you connected to an organization is that right or are you doing it as an um, independent person
1: uh good question i am uh actually my funding was uh uh, let's see. Sponsored by the radio station in Missoula, Missoula Community Radio. Um, oh, cool. and so my it's my project falling under the umbrella of the radio station, and um, yeah, I. Uh, all I need to do is create a plan, but I feel like, you know, I'm just going on what I find out. I'm not an expert uh, in any uh, in any of these areas. I'm just lo- doing research and just looking at what the best options seem like. And so uh, this summer, I want to get my hands into all of this stuff. You know, um, I'm in Hot Springs, and part of the reason I came up here was because, the folks in missoula that i had been planning on collaborating with i mean with the isolation it just all became impossible and i just felt that my project can't wait and i can't just sit there in missoula and expect to just visualize the whole thing i needed i need to be more <laughs> hands-on with where
2: uh, yeah. where are you with the hemp like have you ever like had hemp like in your hands or have you worked with it at all you know what i mean because for me like i studied it for a while and I, you know, I go to hemp fest and things like that. I mean, honestly, the first time we decorticated cannabis stalks and made hemp cream out of that. But um until I ordered it myself, you know what I mean? Like I was like, hold on a second, what is holding me back? Really? You know, I'm just gonna start doing it. Yeah, and well, if, um,
1: so sorry to interrupt you. No, that's okay. Um, I have, I have a little bit of, I I got some stocks. I have a friend uh, who grows in Moise. And I asked if I could have their hemp stocks if they had any left over, and they said yes. So I went to their farm and they had already some like in the barn that I threw into my car. And then I went through their fields and just pulled out all the dried stocks from the last year. And I, I can't tell like how much I need. I, as the, I'm sure it's not enough for like a living structure, but it is a start. Mm-hmm. And um, a, and I do need to figure out how to decorticate it. I was pretty happy though, the stalks that I had, I could just pull the, the, the fibers right off of it. They were a little bit weathered. Yes, that's how
2: like in Thailand, the traditional decortication is, is that they cut them down and then the rain would fall on them and then they'd thrash them open and scrape it out. But you can get there's all kinds of decorticators like, but you know these guys are business guys around here. I'm like, well, I'm going to invest in. I had these these gals from China trying to sell me these twelve hundred dollar decorticators. These things like the the gallon out in eastern Montana has, and then I'm like, well, let me look in China. I mean, in in Canada, maybe they're selling some there. And then I was really interested in getting the seeds and deherding. You know breaking the seeds open and there's other equipment maybe by a different name that does the same thing. But when I talk to these guys, they're like, Oh no, it's like million to do it. Right. You need a million dollars worth of equipment and everything. I'm like, geez, you know, there's that mountain again. But, um, there are people who do mobile decorticating. And so I kind of was, Working in conversation with John Porterfield, we've had a lot of social situations and things that go along with all the working out the project. So, you know, here we all are. Um, we are kind of all working towards this, but this h two o festival kind of evolved in a different direction, but originally, we were gonna try to do a hemp demonstration and build with that out there. He he you you should meet uh, John, his partner, Renee. she lives in town too um but uh he is a good connection and he definitely what he does is if you want to grow hemp and you have land he will put you under his license oh yeah and so he does this all over the place he people contract to grow hemp for people and then maybe they contract with him i don't know the exact details of how he works it out but there's tons of hemp and he knows what's going on in they want to do, he grew some hemp out at Wild Horse. Like I've got hemp stalks he gave me. I display those and I've got like a quarter of a bag of hemp that I ordered through a company in North Carolina that, I don't know, I just make random stuff with it. This year it was like fire starters, you know. I, I just played around with it like you would with clay, you know, like I'll make this and I tried to make some tabletops. But I'm really getting into the wood. Now the hemp wood is amazing and I have a piece of that here too. So when we get through this COVID, whenever it is, this all ends, um, definitely you'll have to come over and connect and I'll show you what I have. You can look at the sample. What I did was make a scale sample of a hemp wall that I can take around. And it's just really cool to see it in a frame and touch it. People were bringing these little tiny samples and I just said, I need to see what a wall, you know, a bigger piece would look like. And he's very knowledgeable and he goes to the big, like hemp conferences and stuff like that and kind of helps me keep my finger on the pulse. But on the other hand, there's other projects going on. The Crow Nation represents at the Hemp Fest. Their crow dog drummers come there. And then James and Angela, they're not partners, but they are dance partners. And um, James is a Crow student at MSU, so is Angela, but he's working on a project where they are using hemp and algae to fight or soil. He wants to go back to the reservation and, and clean the soil with it. Um, but definitely I've met some cool people. There are there are a lot of people who are just kind of working on their own thing that aren't out in you know, getting a lot of fanfare, but are actively working with hemp and research. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. And But I, I'd love to have us all get involved in building something, you know. Um,
1: Please include me in your, in your plans. I'm going to be in hot springs. The whole, the whole summer is the plan. And um, I only have about 30 hours of work at the permaculture farm. And other than that, want to put the rest of my time uh, into my project and my personal life. But uh, the project is like the most important thing to me right now, really. And uh, the opportunity to get it started while uh, also learning about a permaculture farm to me uh, has ended up being just the ideal scenario. But I would appreciate any and all contacts. Uh, You know, this podcast and this interview and the interviews that I collect all go into my podcast, and then my podcast is a a resource of information for ideally anyone who (laughs) wants to know uh, and get informed. And uh, when COVID happened, I watched like nothing with my podcast happen. But in the past couple of weeks, people have been listening again, and so I want to really just keep gathering as much information as possible because it's not just for me this project is something that i feel that i can do just because i've interviewed people and that that's what i have felt is necessary from what they've told me um, but it really everybody putting their minds together or putting all of the information from everybody together is it makes us all smarter hopefully <laughs> it does. right
2: exactly you know we consult with each other we're all consultants to each other you know and maybe the maxes would like to build something up there they say you know what i've heard from people who've been building and this is why i started with a sample they said start with something small like build a dog house or a shed and then move on to your house like i have like i did de- i design you know i spent like five years designing you know the bar well maybe it didn't take me five years but it took me five years to get it built but i did design it like five years ago and worked on designing all these mini houses, you know, staying up late, drawing pictures. And then it turned out like the first one I designed, I left the picture at my friend's house who built it. And he said, what are you working on all that other stuff for? And he's like, I've got the design right here. And it was like, oh, and we just got it together, you know? And so, you know, it's, um, you know, we could easily design something and, you know, just put it together for the experience of doing. And I would be willing to pitch in some on that or we can talk to John, you know, and be totally all about that and getting the hemp together and building something. So, David and Joe would probably be open, maybe. If not, you know, we can look. My landlord is connected to Alameda's, you know, we might find someone. Or this other guy, I can't think of his name right now, he's real tall, who has the, the cabin. Um, he is definitely into it. Hang on one second, somebody's at my door. Sure we'll see what we can do about getting some Montana hemp because that's my focus is producing Montana hemp because it brings everybody on board in Montana agrees with that regardless of their other thoughts, beliefs or whatever. They do all agree that local economy is important that I've met anyway. So I try to keep, you know, keep everybody together on that and, and um, support local farming economy. But I'm about talked out for the morning.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. Say, um, okay. And thank you for talking to me uh, in the first place and taking the time. And um, Thanks
2: so much for reaching out to me. I appreciate it a lot. I spend a lot of time just chilling out and working on my projects. It's nice to kind of have a conversation with someone who's interested in the same topic. That means a lot. So appreciate yeah,
1: that. Absolutely. Yeah, so it means a lot to me, too. So, um, yeah, I'm glad to have found you in the area. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
2: Cool. Well, we'll meet up soon.
1: Peace. all right sounds good have a beautiful day you too you were just listening to an interview with francis DeForest, nurse and advocate for hemp and alternative living based in hot springs montana if you enjoy zap and find yourself more informed than before please share it is available free on all major platforms where podcasts are found If you or anyone you know would like to contribute an interview, if you want more information about each episode, or to find out how to support this podcast, visit the ZAP page at anchor.fm, and feel free to send me a message. Special thanks to Chris Moyles with Starlight Reunion Studios for your invaluable time and help with production of this podcast, and also to Missoula Community Radio for your ongoing mentorship and open learning platform.
0: joining the Zootown town affordable housing podcast affordable is stable afford means that you're able to make your wages last through debt rent or expenses while even retaining some senses stability with the ability to do things differently Attainable, retainable, it's trainable Oh, hello, information. Help leave this situation. And zap, so many alternatives, so many voices, Filled with ideas on how to live. Start making choices that improve the collective. And zap, incentive creation. And zap, promote collaboration. Move!